In today's episode, we are looking at the Denver Nuggets talking about their 1920 season, their playoff run, what it all means for the future. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We are doing the Denver Nuggets season review today and it was pointed out to me by Brian Taylor, the big bristle, said that I've went, I've gone out of order. And he is correct because this was supposed to be the Houston Rockets. They owned, I'm going in draft, you know, in regular season draft order, but this was supposed to be the Rockets, but the Nuggets have the Rockets pick, so I screwed that up. So tomorrow will be the Houston Rockets podcast. And then next week, we'll get the Utah Jazz kicking off. So I do apologize for the Rockets fans who are hanging out for this one. This is the Nuggets show today, and we'll do the Rockets tomorrow. So Bristle, thank you for uh, for getting that to me and uh, and letting me know that I screwed it up, because I did. Obviously. All right, so questions. Now, you know, questions come through on Instagram, questions come through on Twitter, but what I've also done, well, okay. Those of you that know, I've got a, a Patreon where people can help support the show uh, and get a little bit of extra access. They get priority access to things if I start new leagues uh, and to ask me questions. And yeah, my son is just turned 13 and he's big into Discord servers. He's a dad, you should have a Discord server. Well, okay, let's see, guys, I'll set you one up. I'll, I'll do one for you. So what he's done now is for everyone on the Patreon, we used to have a Slack channel, but he, he claims that Discord is superior. So... Everyone who is a Patreon member, I've posted a link to the Discord server over there. A bunch of people have joined already. We're going to do some stuff. We're probably going to make a public section of it as well, just for fantasy basketball chat as we ramp into the new season. But there will be extra perks, privacy for the Patreon supporters as well. At the moment, it's just Patreon people in there. And they have asked some questions through here in the uh, first few hours of this Discord server being uh, being around. So let's uh, that's a long way of me saying... JB, what's your first question? Your your first actually, JB, you get your own personalized drop. JB, you've done it again. He said, I saw a bit of PJ Doja in the bubble. Do you think there's room for him in the rotation next year? Is he maybe a Monty Morris replacement if they're looking to consolidate backup guards? Yeah, uh, look, Doja is interesting. He obviously had that game against the Lakers where everyone was really excited about him. He looked pretty, pretty spry in that game. Um, his G League numbers are really strong. He averaged 21 points a game for the second consecutive season in the G League with you know, over seven assists and 1.6 deals. Didn't shoot particularly well. He's not the greatest shooter, 32% across his G League career. And his form in the playoffs was already 10 minutes a game, three points, but still not a great shooter. I think that Monty Morris is significantly better than what PJ Dozier is. Um... I think Doja's got some value as perhaps a backup guard, but uh, to me, Morris is the superior option there. Now, Doja's 24, Morris is 25, so there is a year's difference, but I guess if you are consolidating guards and you're trading Harrison Morris or Morris and Barton or, or anything like that to get 
Bradley Beal. Not that that's enough for Bradley Beal, but you know, as that that's just a speculative sort of thing. Then that does open up an ability for Doja to come in. I, I do think that he can be at least a rotation player. I wouldn't trust him the way that I trust Morris to run an offense as a point guard. To me, Doja's more of a two slash one hybrid versus a one, where which is what Morris is in my opinion. He's probably less of a one, Dozier is, than what Jamal Murray is. And Jamal Murray is not really that traditional type of point guard. That can work alongside Nikola Jokic. But when you have to run things separately, and maybe if Barton's around, then Barton can help run things too. I'm a long way around to say, I think Dozier's got some value. But I don't think that he is as good as what Monty Morris is. Next uh, question here on the Discord. Matt Lawson's throwing him in there. He's Nuggets Dynasty ADPs. Nikola Jokic, 6.8. Am I buying or selling? Um... Yeah, I think that's probably about right. He was only 13th ranked player this year, but he can be better than that pretty clearly. The headmaster, Jamal Murray, at 39.6. Murray was the 51st ranked player this year. In the bubble, He in the regular season games, he only played 25 minutes a night. He wasn't that good. In the playoffs, he was the 9th ranked player. So yeah, getting him at pick 40, I think is about right. I think he can probably peak as a top 25 guy, maybe top 30 guy, but he is a real risk of being overdrafted. But that's not an overdraft there. The next one might be Michael Porter Jr. at 45. Now, that is super aggressive for a Dynasty ADP. We saw some big games from Porter, no doubt. In the seeding games, he was the eighth-ranked player. Ridiculous. 33 minutes a night, only 23 usage. Now, this was a team that didn't have Gary Harris playing and had limited minutes from nearly everybody as they were really going through the motions in those seeding games. And Porter took full advantage. He's started games in the playoffs, and then he was benched. Not a great sign. He's only 22, though, so... While it looks a little bit aggressive, there is still some, I think, concerns about injury history. I don't know that I'd buy him at 45. He will have probably multiple seasons uh, ranked ahead of that, like uh, in the 30s. I think he probably will. But if we're looking at the next six years or so, I would say majority of those years will probably be worse than 45. But that's a, it's a real tough one to grasp. Jeremy Grant at 144. Grant um, was outside that number this year. I think he can comfortably be inside that number. I would buy that. And Bol Bol at 154. People are getting really excited about Bol Bol after that little seeding run that he had. But let's also get something clear. In that seeding run, he was only the 181st ranked player. He played just 15 minutes a night. He had a couple of big games. I think he is an interesting player that's probably got to play power forward rather than center because of his frame. He can handle the ball a little bit. He can shoot a little bit. Defensively, there are real worries, and I think that's going to overall limit his minutes. I probably would sell that. Uh, Gaz Harris. Nice, Gary! Um, his ADP coming in at 159. Obviously had his struggles this year. He's only 26. I do have faith that he can beat that, so I would take that chance on him there. While Farton will Barton at 169. That is wildly low to me. Now, he is 30 years of age. He did have a knee injury that cost him all of the Orlando restart, but he was the 70th ranked player this year. I don't think that he's particularly good, but at 170, for two years worth of value where I'm getting probably top 120 at the very minimum, yeah, I'd take that. Monty Morris at 217, I'll buy that. Paul Millsap at 275, the end is pretty clear for Millsap here. He's almost 36. I don't even, At 275, I'd probably take it for maybe one year, but no guarantee he even beats that value for one season. Dozier at 297, yeah, I would take that. I've just talked about how I'm not massively into him, but top 300 value for sure. Mason Plumley at 330. 
Plumley, a free agent, 31 years of age. I reckon we can do a little bit better than him there. Dazza 006. Is there any hope of Gaz Harris becoming a top 100 player again next season in standard roto leagues? Well, it's all going to come down to can he shoot again because he's forgotten how to do it. His shot has been way off over the course of you know the last couple of years. The steal numbers haven't been as elite. The scoring numbers are there. I would say Gary uh, aren't there. Sorry, I would say Gary Harris being a top 100 player. The odds would speak to probably not at this point because the shooting's got to get back to being a 48 and 40 from the field and from three respectively and go from 10 points back to 16 points with 1.8 steals. And I think getting all those things to happen together is probably an unlikely outcome. So thank you for those uh, those questions for everybody there on the old Discord. RockAuto.com. You've heard me talk about it. It is the place to go when you're looking for parts for your car or your truck, whatever sort of mobile you're driving. I don't know why I said mobile like that. Whatever sort of vehicle you are driving, rockauto.com is the place to go. You don't go into your local auto store, wait for the bloke behind the counter to try and find what part you're looking for, and then for him to come back and say, nah, mate, sorry, it's going to be three or four weeks. And then you got to order it in. And then on top of that, he's going to charge you more money. Pfft, screw that. Go to rockauto.com, search for the parts that you want for your car right at the very comfort of your computer, and get them at a cheaper price. Who wants to spend more money when they don't have to? RockAuto.com has the same price for professionals and for do-it-yourselfers. You could not find a better deal. If you go to RockAuto.com now, you can see all of those parts available for your car or truck. And in their How Did You Hear About Us box, right locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. Also chucked out some questions on YouTube uh, for on, on a post over there for people to ask questions about the Nuggets. So BT says, who do you think the Nuggets are going for in the draft? I see them going for a guard like uh, Jameis Ramsey, Desmond Bain, uh, Balmaro, or a big like Tyler Bay, developing Precious Achua uh, since they took two more you know, high school hotshots in Porter and Bowl or some other player. I don't like Sadiq Bay long-term, but based on whispers, I'm hearing he might be gone as soon as the picks hit double digits. I am not a big Sadiq Bay fan. And if I have a look at my latest mock draft, which I'm still in the process of um, yeah, doing, and it's going to come out after the end of these previews, at 22, I do have the Nuggets selecting Leandro Bomaro. Um, at that point, uh, Tyler Bay is still on the board. Precious Achua is still on the board. Uh, Desmond Bain would still be on the board, but I am taking Balmaro there as a, an interesting um, player with a ball in his hands, a guy that uh, is a real creative passer and can defend. The shot needs some work, but I've got him there at that selection. I've got guys like Sadiq Bay already off the board there out of those names that you brought up. But I do think they probably look for a a guard or a uh, or a wing type player, which is nearly always going to be the option. But there's so many uncertainties here with both Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee, not both, all three of those guys, uh, potentially going to be free agents this offseason. And they could lose two or three of those guys. And maybe they do need big men. But those big men you get in the draft probably aren't going to be contributors straight away. That's most likely. What are the odds from Lika Pavlovich? What are the odds that Gary Harris shoots 37% or better from three next season? How much would it raise his value? Well, a lot. I'd say at this point, given how he's been playing, that we should not expect that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, we shouldn't expect that. Tay Forward, would Denver let go of Paul Millsap? Well, he's an unrestricted free agent, and they're definitely not paying him what they paid him last season. They might bring him back, but we saw his limitations uh, in the playoffs. I think his minutes will go way down next season. 
I think they'd like to bring him back, and he would probably, after having that $30 million team option picked up last season, he'll probably be okay with getting a discount to come back and play a smaller role. Um, so it's all going to come down to cost, um, but I don't expect him to be playing necessarily the same role that he just played this last season. Over on Instagram, lots of Michael Porter Jr. questions. Will Michael Porter Jr. be top 100? Do you think MPG will be MPJ will be a top 100 player this season? Um, is MPJ a top 50 player next season? It's so hard to work out. Now, he did start at small forward for Will Barton, but this is a team that's going to most likely have Barton back, but there could be an opening with no Jeremy Grant or no Paul Millsap. I imagine that both Grant and Millsap are likely back for this team, but it's going to be really hard to keep Porter out of playing 25 minutes minimum. Is that top 100? <sighs> Probably just... But what he does thrive on is really high rebound numbers and you know, strong, efficient offense, as we saw from him in the bubble. 22 points, 9 rebounds, a true shooting of 70%. That's probably going to come down. And a steal and a block. He's a little bit of a black hole. He's a bad defender, but those defensive numbers are okay in terms of steals and blocks. The efficiency is through the roof, which is probably not going to stick. Should you ever look at him in the in the playoff portion of the bubble? 11 and 7 with 48 and 74 for a true shooting of 60. Still pretty good, but not 70. So that does drop his value quite a bit. And then his defensive numbers dropped. I, I think around 100 is probably okay for him. But we're going to need more clarification from Denver. What's happening with Barton? Is Porter going to start? Is Grant back? Is Millsap back? Because if those guys are still all there, it's going to be hard to see him push to 30 minutes because there's just too many bodies around. Now, while Millsap might get 18 minutes, and I Grant is the superior player to Porter at this point, I think Porter's probably superior to Barton, but the coach, uh, the Dr. Michael Malone, really has a hard-on for Barton, and that could have an impact, and he obviously has some issues with what Porter does. So there is a risk that he could be perhaps a little bit of a bust in terms of drafts next season. Um, Jonathan Chown with Grant expected to opt out and Millsap a free agent change at the four spot seems likely. Not necessarily. Grant will opt out most likely from his player option, which is sitting at, I think, $9 million. Yeah, so he'll opt out of that, but that doesn't mean he doesn't re-sign. And Millsap could easily re-sign as well. So while it could be changed, there might not be changed. So it's not as guaranteed as that. Do I see Grant returning to pre-trade value, like his value with the Thunder? Um... Yeah, probably not. I just don't think he's going to get quite that same level of role that he had with Oklahoma City. And will Porter and Bol Bol get rotation minutes? Uh, Porter will. Bol, I'd be pretty doubtful unless Plumley goes. And then we see him play some center minutes. But I wouldn't say Bol would be a guarantee rotation player. This is a really, really deep team. Um, Marth, Mark Ethan Sagoon. What's Porter's ceiling? He's put, his ceiling is top 25. I think if everything comes together, it's top 25 as a 27-point-per-game scorer with 10 rebounds. I think he can get to that, uh, and then everything else needs to come along. Is the headmaster, Jamal Murray, the Blue Arrow, worth a top 40 pick? That's a tough one. Over the course of the entire regular season, he was 51st. In the bubble regular season games, he was 91st. In the playoffs, as I mentioned, he was the ninth-ranked player. But he did that playing 40 minutes a night and shooting 45 from three and 51 from the from the field. Those things aren't going to happen. He's going to be a 34-minute-a-night player, maybe 22 points with six assists and five rebounds, which pushes him more into that 40 zone. Top 30, I think, would be risking it for Murray. I've heard people talk about him as a top 12 first-round player, which to me is absolute insanity because he won't play 40 minutes a night. He won't be this level of shooter, and he won't have that level of usage through the regular season of 28% usage he had in the playoffs. And we saw him cool off a little bit after that series against Utah. So I think we need to be really careful uh, about that. Um, 
And the other question here is, yeah, will, will Porter Jr. be starting next year? I would lean towards yes, but there's still a lot of questions to be answered with this um, with this offseason because, uh, again, a, a lot of moving parts and pieces for this um, Denver Nuggets team. All right. Um, have we got any other any other questions? Oh, there's, there's so many questions here, but I think we should get into talking uh, more about the players uh, specifically. So let's uh, let's do that, and let's go straight into the number one guy on this team, and that is, of course, Nikola Jokic. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Jokic was a little bit of a disappointment this season, being the 13th ranked player. His ADP was seven. Um, he only played 32 minutes a night. He averaged 19, 10, and seven with 1.2 steals. 0.6 blocks, he hit a three. His true shooting was great at 61%, but still a little bit under where we wanted him to be. The advanced metrics are fantastic. 3.6 and 5.1 for PIPM and Raptor, they're amazing. In the playoffs, he was the seventh ranked player, averaging 24, 10, and six. Those assist numbers did drop. Yeah, where do we look at him? I wouldn't be looking at him as a top five player. I would be happy to go back to him as a first rounder, but there is risk, and we know with Jokic, that the first two months of the season, they're going to be a write-off. He's just not going to be that good. He might be outside the top 20. But if you're playing in a head-to-head league, the, getting a guy who can be top three, top four, down the stretch for the last three months of the season, which is what Jokic does relatively consistently, that might be worth picking him at pick eight. Dealing with the, the drop-off at the beginning and then dealing with the absolute fire finish to the season, which he almost invariably has. So I think he probably is in that seven to 10 range in terms of picks next season. He's still, he's just turned 25 years of age. So still, obviously, really quite young um, with uh, yeah, some, some uh, value to increase, I, I think, over the season. But with the presence of uh, Murray, the presence of Porter, maybe there is a little bit of a hit there on Jokic's overall usage and shot attempts. And that might have an impact on him, but he still had a, a 27 seven usage this season. And that was still, obviously, at a really high level. Tell what else is at a high level? Bilpa, the best tasting protein bars that you can find. Bilpa is back with six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp, and carrot cake. And that goes along with the 12 original flavors. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they are soft and easy to chew. It is great if you're looking to lose weight, maintain weight after a workout and still feel like, hey man, I'm eating a candy bar. But no, you're not. You're eating a protein bar. It just doesn't taste like dog shit that you scraped off the bottom of your shoe like some other unnamed brands may. Built Bar has a great low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber nutritional profile. The new Cherry Bar Sia Bar, 17 grams of protein and a paltry 13, 130 calories. 4 grams of sugar with 4 grams of net carbs. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. So use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, the next player up here for us to take a squeeze at is, of course, the headmaster, Jamal Murray, the 51st ranked player. I've talked a lot about that already. He was uh, really strong in PIPM and Raptor, 2.01 and 3.7 with a 56% true shooting, but a massive, massive risk of being overdrafted based on what he did in the playoffs, where he averaged 27, 5, and 6.5, only 0.9 steals. But to yeah, he was the ninth ranked player there, but remember, in the playoffs, there's 14 other teams who aren't playing, so other guys are going to jump ahead of him. He's not going to play 40 minutes a night. He's not going to be a 51% shooter. 
and he's probably not going to have a 28% usage. His regular season usage was 25, where he averaged 19 points. Now, I think that the 32 minutes he played in the regular season might push to 34. The 18 points might go to 21. Uh, and the assists might jump to five and a half. But I don't think that those playoff numbers from Murray are anything realistic to expect. Now, does he take this big leap? Perhaps. But uh, the 40 minutes a night is what really stands out to me like dog's balls. He's not playing 40 minutes a night. Bring that 40 minutes a night back to 33, 34. Bring the usage back a little bit, then your assists fall back. And then if the shooting falls off, there are a lot of areas for regression. He was unbelievable. One of the best players and most fun players to watch in the entire playoffs. But there are a lot of things there that make me say, if you reach for him in the first round or second round, you are probably going to be disappointed. You might not be, but the odds would tell you that you are. So if someone wants to take him at pick 20, good luck to them. I don't want anything to do with it. Pick 40, absolutely I'm okay with that. And your room for error is much larger if you're picking him at that spot. If you want to take him at the end of the third, I can see that. Now, I don't know exactly how runs on guards and that are going to run at this point in drafts, which we'll find out later on. But I think that's a reasonable area to expect Jamal Murray to be. And he's only 23. So he's still got lots of room for improvement over the coming years, which is awesome. But expecting that level of playoff performance to stick for an 82-game season, I think is pretty unlikely for Jamal Murray. Or literally for anybody, really. Barton Will Barton, the 70th ranked player, didn't see him at all in Orlando. He played 33 minutes a night, 15, 6, and 4, 45% shooting, 38% from three. Big positives in Raptor and PIPM. I don't like the way he plays necessarily. I feel like he takes shots out of the hands of guys like Jokic and Barton. Oh, sorry. Jokic and Murray and now Porter's around. Um, he is 30, so he's on the downswing, I'd say, in his career. The knee injury is definitely a worry. His injury really caused him problems the season before as well. I think we'd be pretty unlikely to see him back in the top 70 or even top 100 realm with the elevation of guys like Michael Porter, but he's not going to fall off completely, I wouldn't think. He could get moved at some point. There's a real possibility of that. He's a guy that yeah can score on decent usage with okay efficiency, true shooting 55%. And his ability to handle the ball and rebound and get some uh, assists is pretty useful. But that number, being that 70th ranked player, just doesn't feel like it's anywhere close to being reasonable for him. And I imagine a decent drop off in his numbers and his impact for this next coming season. Paul Millsap's next. He was the 123rd ranked player this year. He was a positive PIPM, 1.53, and in Raptor, 59% true shooting, usage at 20. He played only 24 minutes. Really, really good numbers. Great free throw shooting numbers, but he's going to be 36 during next season. We saw in the playoffs that he he struggled quite a bit. He played the 24 minutes there and averaged eight points. The shot didn't fall. Um... I would be doubtful if he plays the 24 minutes again at age 36. He's more of a 20-minute-a-night guy that may be like the David West at Golden State type of role, and that's going to push him way out of uh, standard league calculations, especially if Grant is back and more minutes coming to Michael Porter. I just can't see Millsap at his age, even though he was really effective and quite good defensively. Uh, I think he moves more into a not-starting power forward role, but maybe he is the backup center exclusively now. But again, age 36, he's not someone who's going to retain that much value as we move forward over the next couple of seasons. But it's interesting to see that big positive impact he had in both PIPM and Raptor for a guy that season was nowhere near as effective as he's been in the past. I'm just not sure that at his age, 
um, that he's going to be able to return to value. Now, he's, he's a free agent, so he could go anywhere. Um, but what team is giving him 27 minutes a night, which is probably what he needs to go back into the top 100. I just don't really see that as being a realistic possibility for Paul Millsap. Next up, uh, we have got Gary Harris. Nice, Gary! Now, Harris was the 161st ranked player. I thought there was a real chance of a bounce back from Harris. I was wrong. Negative 0.28 PIPM, negative 0.9 Raptor, which aren't terrible, but they're not great. 52 true shooting on 15 usage. And this is the problem with Harris, is he cannot shoot anymore. Defensively, we saw how important he was in the playoffs. He was a 90th ranked player in the playoffs, 27 minutes a night, but the dude averaged seven points per game and shot 38 from the field. That's just not good enough. This was a guy whose value in fantasy, those top 50 seasons he had, came because he was giving you 50% field goal percentage and giving you really high steal numbers. And while the steal numbers were good this year, 1.4 in 32 minutes, he struggles to stay healthy. We've seen that over the last three, four years probably. And the shot over the last three to four years, until he proves that he can shoot again, I'm saying that he can't shoot because that's just the evidence that we have for Harris at this point. So at that sort of a level... I really can't see him being anything more than a late round flyer and you know, expecting him to return to that season in 17-18 where he was the 39th ranked player is going to be tough. In that season, he averaged uh, 1.8 steals, shot 49 from the field and uh, shot 40% from three. It's been a massive drop off for him. He had two years in a row of being a 40% three-point shooter and a 50% field goal guy. And then when that fell off, then everything else just goes away because that's really all his value was was about. It was good steals and it was good field goal percentage, which then translates into good scoring and good threes. And if you never heard me say this before, remember that field goal percentage categories and in particular three-point percentage categories and free throw percentage categories, they're multi-influencers because if your field goal percentage goes up, not only do you improve that category, but you improve your points category as well. And most likely, you improve your three-pointers made category. They And three-point percentage is super important. You increase three-point percentage, you increase three-points made output, points scoring output, and field goal percentage output. Even though it's a category that's not tracked in fantasy basketball, it's one of the biggest influences for someone's value. And we've seen that with Gary Harris going from a 40% guy to a 34% guy, dropping from top 50 to outside the top 150 on the back of just not being able to shoot that well and having steals drop off. And, and yeah, at this point, two years in, um, injury prone, I'm, I'm not really sure that we can have faith that that shooting is going to come back for Gaz, unfortunately. Jeremy Grant, um, I thought he was a little bit overdrafted in drafts because people were expecting the Oklahoma City th- uh, Grant to appear and he, he just couldn't get that playing time, just 27 minutes a night, 170th ranked player, averaged 12 points, only 0.7 steals, only 0.8 blocks, which is where his value is, doesn't rebound well, hit 1.43s, and this is a guy that I've been a little bit cautious of labeling a decent shooter, but he's shooting well over a period of time now, so maybe he is a, a pretty good shooter. In the playoffs, we saw him really play a lot of minutes, 12 points, 1.6 threes, only 33%, but started taking more of them. But realistically, he's not the greatest fantasy contributor. He got three rebounds in 34 minutes, 1.3 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.7 blocks, 41% shooting. I think he can be a really impactful on-court player, although those uh, PIPM and Raptor numbers would tell you absolutely the opposite, negative 2.1 Raptor, 3 point, negative 3 PIPM, they're bad numbers. But I don't really label him as a high value fantasy player because he's not a high usage player. 
He's not a high steals guy. He's not getting assists. He's a bad rebounder. He's not the greatest shooter. He doesn't get to the line. The blocks have been something that have been strong for Grant in the past, but not with Denver. So even if he does come in and is the starting small forward or is the starting power forward, two possibilities. They start him and Porter together at the 3-4. They start him at the 4. They put Barton at the 3. Whatever they do, I wouldn't say that all of a sudden the top 50 is coming for Grant because he's not going to be high usage and he's not necessarily high volume in terms of generating defensive numbers or being a high volume three-point shooter. Maybe he's a top 120 guy at an absolute uh, stretch, but I think there is a risk that he could get somewhat overpaid heading into this season. I think he deserves more than the $9 million player option he's on, but I think there is a bit of a risk that he is overpaid by someone pushed into a role that he doesn't necessarily uh, fit exactly and yeah, tries to overexert himself and then gets overdrafted in fantasy. So his free agency is going to be really interesting to see where he ends up, but I think there is some risk involved with him. Michael Porter, 198th ranked player over the course of the season because he only played 16 minutes a night. His Raptor and PIPM were strong positives. His true shooting was 62%. And you imagine those 16 minutes a night that he played are going to push up. Now, he did have some injuries again this year, just the 55 games. So missed about 16, 17 games during the season. But we saw what he did in those bubble seeding games, which really got the juices flowing. In the playoffs, not quite as good because he does have massive defensive problems. And he is a little bit of a black hole in terms of passing ability. But an ability for him to block shots and get steals is going to be important to his value. He's a great rebounder, and he can be a really good scorer with high efficiency. But that's not consistent yet. We haven't seen the consistency in efficiency or in, uh, or in defensive numbers at this point. But I do think that they can come. I think he's absolutely going to be a standard league player next year. Where he fits, what his rotation role is, is going to depend a lot on free agency. But he's going to be heading into his second full season at age 22 with some breakout moments. Now, Malone does have some issues sometimes with rotations, and I think he could put some limits on Porter. So expecting 33 minutes a night, I think he's probably wrong. He might be a 28-minute-a-night guy, play some 30-minute streaks, play some 22-minute streaks, and he'll get benched at times. But if he shows that consistency as a 30-minute-a-night player, he probably can push into the top 80 uh, for this season. And I think top 40, top 30 moving forward is a realistic expectation for Porter, just given you know, what we've seen that he's been able to do um, yeah, in these limited areas or limited opportunities he's been given. But he is still a guy with some um, concerns in terms of his ability to stay on the court defensively. He's still a long way from his prime, which is going to lead him into that top 40, top 30, maybe top 20, but probably can lead into that top 40. And he has been a surprise. The injury is still a worry to me. So if anyone wanted to give you top 20 value back in a trade for him, I reckon I'd take it just because of the concerns I have with him, not only with his back, but knees and ankles and all that sort of uh, complementary type uh, situations that can go into having those core injuries. Monty Morris, the 211th ranked player, he had some starting moments in the playoffs. Negative 1.4 PIPM and negative 2 Raptors, not ideal. We know that he comes in and he takes care of the ball and he gets assists. And he's not a bad three-point shooter. 38% from three this year. In the playoffs, he was uh, he struggled just 30% from three, but played 21 minutes a night, played alongside Jamal Murray. I think he's solid enough as a 25-year-old backup point guard who can play alongside Murray at times. But remember, there's no Barton, and that would have had an impact on the minutes that he was able to get. 
So while I, I like him, I think that if he was ever forced into a role as a starter and playing 30 minutes a night in the case of injury, then he would be someone that you'd add and have a look at the uh, the value he provides in hitting some threes, but most importantly in getting assists. But overall, he's not. He's more of a um, more of a Tyus Jones type of point guard. Unflashy, doesn't make mistakes, but can pass, can have some big games, but can be inconsistent a little bit in terms of his overall scoring. Next up is Bold Bol, who we didn't see a huge amount of uh, this season. Of course, he didn't play at all in the regular season. Um, but in the regular season bubble games, six games, 15 minutes. So not particularly exciting. I think people would be surprised to see that he played that little because the hype on him was unbelievable. But remember, this was a Nuggets team playing without Murray, without Harris, without Barton. They were running Bol Bol at the three and just completely not giving a shit about what they were doing. He averaged seven and three with a block. Now, a block per game. And 0.7 threes per game in 15 minutes is super bloody impressive. 50 from the field, 80 from the line, 44% from three is really good. His advanced numbers are okay. 62% true shooting is strong. This is We didn't have any concerns that Bowl was going to do this. He came out of Oregon as an unbelievable shot blocker and an unbelievable three-point shooter. The problem we had with him is the absolute lack of strength, the weakness, the uh, bad defensive ability. He showed an ability to handle the ball and in transition, bring the ball up and find guys. And that's all well and good. He's an elite level shooter for a big man, an elite level rim protector. But defensively, those things don't necessarily go together. And that's exactly where we are with Bol. Can he be a starter in the future next to Nikola Jokic? Maybe. I think he could get to that level. I'm just, I'm not sold on Bol as being a guy that's definitely going to do that. Now, he hasn't even turned 21 yet, so we've obviously got some upside to come from Bowl, and I think he can become quite a good player, and I think almost definitely he will have a couple of top 100 seasons. I don't know how many there will be, but he can be a guy that hits two threes and gets two blocks a game in literally 22 minutes a night with 10 points, seven rebounds. Like That's a realistic expectation for him on a true shooting of 65. Like That is realistic for him. Can it push to being you know, 19 and nine with two and a half blocks and, and three triples? I'm not sure he stays on the court that long with his frame, with his defensive liabilities, but if he did, that's top 40. I just don't think that he can do that. But I think as a supercharged Nerlens Noel type player who can then hit threes as well, that gives you a couple of top 100 seasons for Bol Bol. And I find it hard to not call him just Bol. I feel like it's always got to be Bol Bol, which is annoying. So I'd love to just, you know, like I do with everyone else, call them by their last names. Mason Plumley. 266th ranked player, 31 years of age coming up. He averaged 17 points, sorry, 17 minutes with seven points. Obviously had that huge blown play against Anthony Davis in the playoffs. The headmaster, not the head, what do I keep calling the doctor, the headmaster? The headmaster is Jamal Murray. The doctor is the coach, Michael Malone. Michael Malone loves Mason Plumlee. Will the front office take... And this is what they had to do with Jameer Nelson because he wasn't playing Jamal Murray. They had to take the, t- the toys away so that Malone couldn't use him. Do they do the same thing here with Plumley and not bring him back so that we don't get those godforsaken Jokic-Plumley combinations or putting Mason Plumley, a bad defender, in for defensive rotations at the end of games? I reckon the front office, if they're switched on, which they are, they say... Like Mick, you're misusing this bloke. You're just not going to have the option to use him anymore. And they find a better or a a center that maybe Malone doesn't quite like as much to play that backup role so that he doesn't get overused. So Plumlee, yeah, really 
he's not in anywhere near close to that peak that he had, where he was a really good fantasy player for Brooklyn and for Portland at times. He's never going to get back to that. But when he does get starts, he can be a strong contributor in field goal percentage. He can rebound a bit. He can block some shots. And I think that that's, and he can pass as well. And if he ever is forced into extended action as a starter, then he would be a guy to add. But at age 31, we're not expecting him to be forced into that role at any point anytime soon. Torrey Craig, the 311th ranked player, 19 minutes, 5 points, at real risk, I think, of being forced out of a rotation here for this Nuggets team if everyone is back. he Malone, again, loves this bloke, played him at times um, in the playoffs probably too much. He's never going to be a good fantasy player. He just doesn't do anything that's of any use to us. His advanced stats are trash, negative 3.4 PIPM, 55 true shooting. Struggles to hit the three, struggles to do anything offensively, not a good passer. Can be a really good defender at times to throw him out there, but just generates nothing for us for a fantasy perspective. Next guy we take a look at, Kata Bates-Diop, came across in those trades for Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez, 17 minutes a night. Bates-Diop is almost 25. He shot 43% from the field and 72 from the line. He came across or came out of college as a guy that could generate defensive stats and hit threes. It hasn't hasn't really turned out that way. I'm not completely writing him off to be a contributor at some point, but never as a starter. And I don't think it's ever going to come to fruition on this Nuggets team. His advanced numbers were rubbish this year as well. Negative 4.1 Raptor is pretty poor. And I think that, yeah, he's a guy that's more likely to fall out of a rotation than to find himself pushing into a seventh or eighth man role in the future. He does. Now, just on a few of these guys that I didn't mention, uh, Plumlee, unrestricted free agent, Tory Craig, restricted, and Bates Diop is a $1.6 million non-guarantee for this upcoming season. I think they. I think there's a chance they actually don't guarantee that. PJ Dozier also has a $1.7 million non-guarantee for this year. He's a 346th ranked player this year, Dozier. We saw him in 29 games, 14 minutes. He averaged six points, and I talked about his G League numbers already. They were super strong. He went out there and scored 21 points per game. He averaged seven assists and eight rebounds, but he feels like one of those guys who dominates at G League level and then sort of falls away when he gets to the NBA. I think he can be a rotation player, and I think he could find himself getting minutes ahead of someone like a Tory Craig uh, at times, but not ahead of a Morris or Harris or Barton or any of those guys. I don't have massive faith in him, especially on this team. Maybe he goes to another squad and he can find uh, a role where he's a 24-minute-a-night player and average 13, 14 points Jordan Clarkson style. That's not completely out of the realms of possibility for Dozier. So... Yeah, him versus Craig or Bates Diop or any of the next bunch of blokes that I'm going to talk about. He's clearly got the best upside out of those guys. I just don't think that it's all that realistic to expect it to be realized. Noah Vonley. Remember Noah Vonley? He was a ninth pick a couple of years ago. He's still only 25. He just is bouncing around and around and around. He's an unrestricted free agent. He you know, came across from Minnesota, played 11 minutes a night in 36 games. True shooting, actually really, really strong from Vonley, 62%. Not terrible in his advanced numbers, but I don't really see Vonley being someone that teams are going to be falling all over themselves for. But in saying that, if Millsap's gone, if Plumlee's gone, Vonley is a backup center, a guy that can stretch it a little bit to shoot threes. I don't completely hate it. He's not a starter, clearly. He's not a big rotation minutes player. But as a guy to come in a little bit behind Jokic and just provide some defensive ability with some stretch ability, I don't think that it's completely outrageous. And in deeper leagues, I could see him finding a regular rotation role somewhere next season. Troy Daniels. um, Look, Daniels is 29 years of age. He hits threes. 
that's really all he does. Nothing all that great to see with his advanced numbers. The three-pointer that didn't fall that much this season. There's just nothing overly exciting for Daniels, and he's just going to be one of those guys who sort of floats around in the back end of rosters for the next couple of years. The last two guys we talk about are a couple of the um, two-way guys. Tyler Cook, well, actually not two-way guys. Tyler Cook's a two-way guy. He played just uh, 13 games, four minutes a game, 23 years of age. So hard to get too much out of it. If we look at what he did in the G League, where he played only seven uh, seven games, or he got traded, sorry, from Canton to Oklahoma. He played 29 games in total, 13 points with six rebounds. This is for a 6'8", power forward-ish type player. No, absolutely nothing from what he does there stands out. Not a good free throw shooter, doesn't hit threes, not a high rebounder, not a good defensive stats player. I'd be pretty stunned if Tyler Cook found his way back into the NBA next season. The last guy, Vlako Chancha, who had some injury problems, didn't play in the bubble. Uh, a guy that I liked coming out of Europe, but hasn't really been given any sort of opportunity yet at this point. I still think that he can be a rotation player in the next couple of years. Uh, he only played 10 G League games this year. He averaged 14, 6, and 3 with a steal. He shot 39% from 3 on 6 attempts per game. There is some value there in him long term for very deep leagues ahead of Cook and Daniels and probably Bonlay. And I reckon there is a chance that he could develop into a better version, a better player than PJ Dozier. I wouldn't bank on it at this point. He hasn't really been given any sort of fair crack to. Um, to see what he can do in Denver, and it's probably the wrong situation for him. But I do think there is still a player under the surface there for Chancha who can become a useful NBA option at uh, at this point in his career, which we're not we're not at the, the end of his career by any means, but a guy that hasn't been given that opportunity, and he's still only 23 years of age. That'll do it for me today for the Denver Nuggets season review. Houston Rockets tomorrow. Get your questions in in the Discord if you are a Patreon subscriber. Uh, check out YouTube. Check out Instagram. Check out Twitter. And subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>